I'm Liz with TeachStone, and this is Teaching with Class. Today we tackle teacher sensitivity. We'll talk about what low, mid, and high range teacher sensitivity looks like for an observer, and the tough question of how to meet everyone's needs in a large classroom or with those few challenging students. So first, a little context for those who may be newer to class. When we talk about teacher sensitivity, we are talking about a teacher's awareness and responsiveness to students' needs. So at the infant level, this may mean responding to cues and providing comfort. At the toddler level, it's a teacher who's aware, responsive, and can be a secure base, a teacher that's providing comfort and reassurance, encouragement. And then as children get older, and we're looking at a pre-K classroom or K-3 or even beyond, teacher sensitivity remains just as important, but also begins to look at a teacher's awareness of a student's academic needs in addition to their emotional needs. So is the teacher aware when a student needs extra help or responsive to their needs and abilities and able to successfully address their problems and provide a safe place for sharing support or ideas? All right, well, now that we have that, Let's bring in the experts. So the big questions that keep coming up about teacher sensitivity are really the struggle around how can you show teacher sensitivity when there is a large number of students in your class, that it's one thing to be sitting with two students and show teacher sensitivity, it's another to be sitting with 24. And then from an observer perspective, you know, what does low, medium, and high teacher sensitivity look like? So where should we start? Um, should we talk about the large group first? Yeah, let's start with large group or with some of those challenging, you know, behaviors or things like that. Perfect. So if I'm a teacher and I have both a large group and those two, three challenging students that every teacher has, how do I still think about quiet Johnny in the corner who's struggling? How do I, how do I keep an eye on everybody's needs? I think a lot of times... Uh, teacher sensitivity is compromised when um, we have unrealistic expectations for children. Mm. So I want to turn this around a little bit and say, why? what is the purpose of having 24 children sitting together all mm. the time? Um, what is your goal? If your goal is to build a community, that's fine. Could that look a little differently. So mm-hmm. teacher sensitivity, I'm going to just go to the manual really quick in the pre-K manual um, in the very beginning. It talks about kind of the overview of the domain. And one of the things that it talks about is the children's concerns. Mm. Um, we talk about it a little bit when we're training about it being something other a child's needs or problems. But I like to think about it more as children's concerns. So Becky's showing me now it's on page three. Um, so what are preschoolers concerned about? Mm-hmm. So being heard, talking about the puppy, not, you know, being able to sit still. Um, we push this into engagement a little bit because we're talking about a domain of emotional support. So how can you look at what concerns children in, in a group? So maybe you notice that there's a two, two or three of them that just really simply cannot sit down. And so find another way for them to participate or allow them to have other choices. So you're, you're individualizing that need, but a lot of times your children are going to tell you through the group behavior that maybe you're asking questions that don't make sense to them, like what day of the week is it? 
um, mm-hmm. or you know, I remember it, when I was teaching, I used to have kids say to me, oh, oh, Becky, guess what? Yesterday, my grandma is coming to visit. <laughs> and so at that point, that's, that's a good cue to me as a teacher that they don't understand that sense of time and place. And so, you know, bringing that awareness to the activities that we might do at circle time, um, if they don't even understand the concept of yesterday or today or tomorrow, then why don't I work on next or before, right? You know, really concrete things. So next we're having snack. Now we're doing free play. So really looking at the cues they're giving us that they don't understand a concept and then meeting them where they are with that with that academic piece or that cognitive piece. Right. Um, and the thing I always remember about teacher sensitivity is it's, it's awareness twofold. You know, we're looking at the cognitive awareness. So is the teacher aware that the children don't understand the concept that she's trying to deliver during a whole group? Um, but also is the teacher aware of the social emotional piece of it? And so, even physical. Yeah. Right. Like the, how does it feel to be sitting here? Um, talking about something you have no idea what you're talking about that's like that's horrible and so and so what or you're looking at the kids who can't sit still or the child that's really quiet and is afraid to join into the conversation you're stepping back as a teacher and going how can I adjust that so maybe you know you would see that you're asking the same question a hundred times and they're giving you the same wrong answer let's move on to something else so are you paying attention and that's hard to do with a large group of kids. So one of the ways you do that is you scan that room and you check in with them and you look at body language. And you, if you if you hear yourself reminding kids over and over and over again to pay attention and sit down and, you know, catch a bubble or whatever, then if you're constantly doing that, your sensitivity is not there because you don't see that the children are not with you. Yeah. I mean, that's a cue to your own self if you hear yourself repeating exactly. those things. That's a cue mm. to yourself. That I'm missing something. To, I'm missing something. I need to change something. Um, Mary Margaret, you brought up something about scanning the classroom, and one thing I have written in my manual, right on my face page for teacher sensitivity, is to pay attention to the teacher's body orientation. Mm-hmm. Is the teacher oriented towards the majority of the classroom? And when you have a big, busy group, um, that's even more important. So. If I'm sitting in the block area and I'm playing with a, a group of kids, I'm going to make sure that I'm oriented in a way so that I can observe the rest of the classroom while I can still interact with this small group. And I'm also paying attention to those, those moments where volume increases and moments when volume decreases. Because they're too quiet. <laughs> too quiet. That <laughs> <laughs> was um, terrifying. Yeah, exactly. So that gives me like kind of a nice segue. Thank you. Um, into when we're coding those classrooms. I'm looking at those children, and if the teachers really focus on two or three kids and they're having this really wonderful moment that I might put in an open-ended question somewhere, that's great. But I'm also looking to see if kids, um, you know, the quiet one is over there getting ready to try to move in to the circle and or the, the group in dramatic play. And, I, if, you know, if you miss that, then all of a sudden there's going to be this huge hoo-ha over in dramatic play, mm-hmm. and then you're going to have to go put that fire out. So that um, physical um, positioning is really important. And um, we also need to see, is that teacher, like like I said, scanning the room, mm-hmm. but anticipating mm-hmm. that um, dramatic play somebody's mom just had a baby last week and they're coming in and all of a sudden everybody wants to play with the babies so maybe you need more babies 
or everybody wants to be the baby. Maybe, yes. And so you have to be, you know, help them negotiate that. Or who's going to be the big sister, or can there be more than one baby? And mm-hmm. maybe you can be twins. Right. And then that goes into that helping address students' problems um, because it's me. It's helping them with that social emotional need. Of, and oh yeah, it gives us great insight into where kids are coming from, what they need, which goes into quality feedback and concept development. And regard. And regard. Instructional learning formats. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, all these things are grouped together and they're like completely connected. But teacher sensitivity, I think, is one of the biggest um, drivers for me of um, quality of feedback. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not aware of where the child is, you can't meet them where they are. Right. And you can't. And if you look at the role in teacher sensitivity that providing individualized support falls that could definitely overlap with quality of feedback and scaffolding and, and things like that. Yeah. And then just touching on that, so you have to be aware, and then are you responding in a way that works for the children? And so as a coder, I'm also looking at those children to see is that problem resolved. Not whether I like the way the problem is resolved, but does that child come back? Or am I, is mm-hmm. the teacher still um, asking the same question a hundred times and the kids still can't answer? It's not working for the children. And I think this is, to me, the like argument for the teacher of when it feels like a lot of work to be sensitive to 24 students at once or 14 or, or 10, that the better you do it, the easier your, the rest of your job is. That if you can effectively address the problem the first time, or you can scan the room quickly and see that everyone's on task, oh, but wait, and address the problem before it really escalates, then the rest of your job is easier. That doing this well makes the other things, well, makes productivity easier, exactly. makes behavior management easier. Absolutely. And that, um, so again, what drives your group of three or four-year-olds or five-year-olds or two-year-olds or whatever, what are, what, what are they concerned about? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to have... Individuals have concerns, but their the group's behavior can also tell you that. You know, if they're if they're a bunch of four year olds and they are really trying to negotiate friendship, then that's something that you can anticipate, and you can in turn set up your classroom expectations. Um, how big, how many kids can be in a center? What materials are there? All based on that awareness of where your children are. So, teach sensitivity doesn't happen just in a 15-minute, 20-minute cycle. It's something that, that you build throughout your um, your experience with the children all year long, all week long, all day long. You're constantly having to shift and think about what are they telling me right now. And something you said really um, reminded me of, like, when I was teaching, and I often had a lot of those tough kids in my classroom, and if you're good at it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, and I loved it. I have some of my some of my best memories are are from those classrooms, and and some of my strongest memories are those kids for sure. Um, but sometimes teachers will say like, "How can you be responsive to one child's emotional need when you have twenty other four year olds in the classroom?" Mm-hmm. In ev- in all of my experience, when you genuinely meet that one child's need, other kids watch. Mm-hmm. And what they learn from that is they learn how to take care of other people. Mm-hmm. And they learn compassion and they learn empathy. And they learn that that as an adult, I'm going to make sure I'm that gonna help. Yeah, I'm gonna help. 
and, and that their feelings matter and yeah. all those things yeah. we want them. Right. And that's another thing that's so important in teacher sensitivity is acknowledging those emotions, even if you're like, are you kidding me? Yeah, oh, like... that reminds me of Ben who wanted every turn. I tell this story in my, in my aunt's trainings all the time, but I had this little guy who wanted every turn. And when he didn't get every turn, he would cry and cry and cry. And, and he was four, so he, was, he, he should developmentally be a little bit easier for him to share at this point, but it really wasn't. And one day as he was crying because he couldn't have every turn on the slide, I said to him, um, Ben, you want every turn, don't you? And he went, yeah. And I said, you know what, so Ben, sometimes I want every turn. And I mean, to be honest, Hey, I want every turn when it's a when it's a stoplight. I want the green light every time, right? Yeah. I totally would take every turn for winning the lottery for a little while <laughs> and not share. Um, but there are certainly things we wish we oh, could sure. have every turn on. And because we're adults, we self-regulate and we don't cry in the middle of the street. But Ben's four, and but he Ben's hasn't had four. that opportunity. And they're like, so push down, push down, push down those big feelings. Yeah, and, and so, without being able to deal with those big feelings from help from Miss Becky, Ben doesn't know how to deal with feelings. Mm-hmm. And we ended up getting to the point where he could acknowledge that he wished he had every turn, but he recognized that maybe Emma wanted every turn too, and they can't both have every turn. So he could begrudgingly give other turns at that point. But really, all it took was acknowledging, "I yeah. wish you had every turn." Yeah. Well, and. Yeah. I mean, that's empathy in a nutshell. And what more do you want your four-year-old to come out of preschool with than empathy empathy and Mm self-regulation? And those are a lot better skill sets than colors and shapes. And that will all come. I mean, I just, I remember my first couple years of teaching, um, and you might remember this too, Mary Margaret, but um, I was so nervous that kids learned the right things Mm -hmm. because that was my job. And then um, I had this one kid who just wouldn't write and wouldn't write and wouldn't write. And then his, um, like, very last day of pre-K, he, he wrote his name and he wrote it perfectly fine. And I was so stressed about him not being able to write his name up until then. And then I had his little brother the next year, and I didn't stress about him writing his name because I, I figured it would come. Mm-hmm. And I just remember that kind of piece as a teacher, like, trusting child development and if there weren't any red flags mm-hmm. for me to be able to, um, you know, address those students' problems, not necessarily things that I saw were problems mm-hmm. that weren't actually problems. Oh, yeah, this other side of it is this kid is just driven to write. And, you know, they're doing all of the pre-writing things where they're drawing lines and they're doing circles and they're, try- and they're asking you how to spell things. So give, it, give that attention there and leave Ben alone. Yeah, Ben's more interested in stacking blocks or whatever. Yeah. So, um, so just quickly go into that low, mid, high piece. Mm. Um, I'm looking for classrooms where children are repeatedly um, being reprimanded or um, being redirected or showing lack of engagement. Um, uh, things are going on where the teacher is so focused on one area. That's going to be. Um, something that's going to make me question the level of awareness and responsiveness. If you're not aware, you can't respond. Mm. Um, Mid-range, I'm going to see that the teacher is paying attention somehow in some way and solving some of the problems, but those problems are never fully resolved. Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit about that problem resolution. Um, Mary Margaret, you touched on that a little bit earlier, but 
I'm, when I'm observing, I look at genuine problem resolution with the children, and I gauge that by whether or not the children re-engage exactly. with their peers or with the activity or with or the they teacher. Can move on. Yeah, or if they can move on past the problem. Mm-hmm. And if a child's problem isn't genuinely resolved, typically they're still withdrawn or they're sulky or weepy or sometimes you'll see them following the teacher mm-hmm. with that kind of like arms dragged down by their sides as the teacher's kind of maybe doing other things and that you can see that child didn't have their their problem appropriately addressed and mm-hmm. their body language can tell right. you a lot about And so we'll well. look at that and we'll see, you know, we see that with that one child, does it last through the entire cycle? And then, or does it happen with multiple children? Mm-hmm. Then high range, sometimes people are like, well, if you don't see any problems, how do you know that there's problems? Well, that teacher is probably so far one step ahead. Eyes in the back of the head, eyes in the front of the head, eyes in the side of the head. <laughs> <laughs> like the, everything has been put into place so that the problems don't arise. And the when we and and a lot of times the high range will also be when children are like so excited to share. They'll come over and sit on a teacher's lap. They're like, oh, me, me, me. You know, that's telling me that that's a safe place for them. Mm-hmm. So that's like really fast, high, low, high, low, mid, high. There's other factors, obviously, that we're going to be considering. Um, but I always look at, is the teacher aware of what that child wants, needs, concerns them? Do they help them with that? And so we've been talking almost strictly at the pre-K level, but teacher sensitivity is one of the ones that we see infant through everything. Yeah. 12th grade. (laughs) Yeah. What would you say this looks like if I'm working with a one-year-old or an infant? Wow. Then you're looking at so many more nonverbal cues as well. But do you notice? Yeah. And what, what does noticing look like? For each age level, mm-hmm. noticing looks very different for an infant than it does for a seven-year-old. Mm-hmm. Right? But the children's behavior tells you what it is that needs attention. And I think that gives us another opportunity to just mention again developmentally appropriate Absolutely. practices and expectations. Because if you if you aren't aware of developmentally appropriate expectations then you're either going to completely miss cues or read cues. Mm. Or misread like or, or mis- misunder- or misread cues. Or misunderstand <laughs> cues. Right? Yeah. They just yeah. won't listen. Well, you're talking about something they have no idea what you mean. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Or Or your expectations aren't aren't clear or or appropriate. Like, mm-hmm. I've been in classrooms where two year olds are being like guided to write their names mm-hmm. or like recognizing that toddlers learn through moving their bodies mm-hmm. and so trying to limit toddler movement um which an extended group circle time could do mm-hmm. uh, limiting that behavior or that movement from the toddlers is really counterproductive to the way that they actually learn about the world you know that's kind of like this culmination of all this I think is if you keep finding yourself being frustrated and having to like mm-hmm. be on top of what's going on in your classroom yeah. your sensitivity probably could use some help okay yeah. so let's say I'm a teacher and I just got my class observation back and I'm in the lower mid-range for teacher sensitivity I'm a pre-k teacher what's your one tip for me what's what should I try Stop saying you're okay and ask. Or instead of asking, you could even make a tiny little tweak to, to instead of saying it's okay or you're okay, say 
you'll be okay or you're safe because I think that's what we're trying to say. But when you're looking at a, a distressed child and you tell them you're okay, you're giving them a mixed message about what okay looks and feels like. Oh, I like that. Take a breath, take a moment, and ask what in this moment is this child telling me that they need? Thanks, guys. Oh, thank um, you. Thank you for joining us for Teaching with Class. What tips do you have for remaining aware and responsive to all of your students' needs? Log into the class learning community to continue the conversation, then tell us how we're doing and what topics you'd like covered next. Thank you.